Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast where we watch a randomly selected horror movie every single week. I'm Bob. And I'm Ben. Hey, what's up, Ben? Not much. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I came in rare and hot with energy. Like a. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to like say that. Like a what, Bob? No, I'm not Please explain. <laughs> uh, it was related to what we were just talking about before the podcast. But oh. I was going to say something. It's fine. I'm going to stop myself before I get canceled for saying something horrific on the podcast. Okay, you know what? I thought I knew what you were talking about, and now I have no clue. That's the point. I have no clue. Anyway, how are you, Ben? You know, anything interesting? Not really. Nah. We just had to do, like, an hour of behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. So that was kind of fun, but it also kind of sucked. Yeah. an hour behind on recording. Well, yeah, but we have nothing... Well, I have nothing else to do today. Do you have plans otherwise? No. Okay. Yeah, see, we're good. Everything's fine. Well, I mean, we could... We could go heckle someone, like we talked about. I don't know if we can do heckling today. That might be tomorrow. Yeah. Heckling is... That's a lot of work. Hi, it's, it's very little work. <laughs> In fact, some might describe it more as a, a joy. That's fair. But yeah, there's there's no like news or anything going on that I've heard about. Oh, wait, no, you sent me something um, the other day. There's a new Magic the Gathering set. Yep. That's Ash versus the Evil Dead. Yep, that was cool. That's kind of cool. My understanding, I was looking into it, is I think they're just like reskinned cards. Are there reskinned cards? I didn't know. I just saw the screenshot and was like, oh, Ben liked Evil Dead. I, this is cool. I, it was very, 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 very hard to find any information on that. Really? You know? Because, A, I think it's just, like, released, but also it's magic stuff, and I think you kind of have to be in that community yeah, to know a lot about it. You know what? I could, I should have – I was at work last night, and my friend uh, Troy is super into magic. Like, he plays magic after work all the time. I should have asked him. He would know. But my understanding of it is it's, like, there's this set they've been doing where it's, like, each time they release a new set, they're themed cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been doing it a lot. They did a uh, – what is it? They do so it's Wizards of the Coast and they own a lot of property. Yeah. So they teamed up with GW and did a Warhammer 40k Magic the Gathering set. They did a um Lord of the Rings Magic the Gathering set like you can literally just play Gandalf as a card. Yeah. And my understanding of it though is it's like a specific line. Mm-hmm. It has a name and then they do these limited release sets. Yeah. But I I was kind of looking into it. It was hard for me to understand, but I think it's this limited release set is obviously Ash vs. Evil Dead, but they're all reskinned cards. Mm. So they're cards that already exist in the game that have just been themed. That's cool. I didn't know, because I know all the other cards they release for the sets are like specific cards. It's like, this is a brand new card with new effects. Like, I don't know if that is the case. For all, like, for the Lord of the Rings set? And are you the sure? War- yeah. This could be me misunderstanding. I think they're doing the same thing. So maybe it's that they're themed after pre-existing cards. Because technically it's a new card, right? Yeah, but when you have 40 billion cards, some of them are similar. I mean, sure, some of them are similar, but they're all unique as in, like, they are completely and totally... They may have similar effects, but they're not all exactly the same. Yeah, that's probably how these cards are. Probably. I was just reading... Everyone was comparing the Ash card to... I want to say it was, like, a Wandering Paladin or something. Oh, probably. That makes sense. Anyways, aside from that, the only other thing I think we really want to mention... There's a new Hell House movie coming out. Oh, yeah, yeah, I sent you that. We haven't watched it on the podcast. We haven't. I've I started watching those with my friends. I had already seen them. <laughs> watched the first one. And I was like, "All right, who wants to watch the second one?" No one wanted to watch the second one. Oh my god! I pulled teeth into watching the second one, and then God I'm like, damn. "Guys, we just have one left. Just have to finish it." 
because yes. they're not like amazing. No, I mean I've heard, I've heard from people who like horror movies that they're fun, and like they're okay films. I think it's a fun like in the background thing, but they're not like amazing. And it's definitely one of those films where only one was planned, mm. and then they got two extra. And now there's a fourth one coming. But out. then they had to work like they wanted to create one plot. Yeah. So they had to work extra stuff into the first movie mm-hmm. when they made the second and third one. Ah, so it can get I a see. little confusing and a little bloated, but I don't think they're bad. But I know people like those, so there's a fourth movie coming out. I think it's premiering on Shudder. Yeah, I on think so. On Halloween Eve. So cool. If you're a fan of Hell House, new one coming out. Yeah, there's trailers up and stuff. You can go check those out. The only other one I want to talk about is... We're finally getting images for the Toxic Avenger remake. Oh, my God. I didn't know this was happening. Wait, you didn't? Until I sent you that article. Bob, we talked about it before. I think we... I don't know I if told we you way, 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 way back when that uh, Peter Dinklage was doing it. Yeah. I'm so excited for Yeah, that. we talked about it. It was just super in early production. And apparently it's now like far enough along that we're getting images. What is it? Peter Dinklage and then... Uh, Kevin Bacon... And Elijah Wood. I was about to say, Eli- I saw a screenshot of Elijah Wood, and I was like, oh my and god. Elijah Woods looks like a gremlin, and I love it. He looks insane. It's so good. And I, I mean, I just like Elijah Woods. He's in a lot yeah. of fun stuff. Elijah Woods, great. He, He's also, he does, like, horror stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not necessarily acting so much, but he'll, like, oh, like, producing stuff. He's also in good TV shows. Yeah. Did you ever see Wilfred? No, but I've heard it's really good. So he's in the U.S. Uh, remake of that TV yeah. show. And the ending's a little rough. But when it's good, it's good. Mm. You know? No, that... I want to watch The Toxic Avenger on the podcast so bad, but it's so, like, horror-adjacent. Nah, it's not going to be the most horror-adjacent thing we're going to cover. That's fair. Wait until next season. Man, that reminds me. You I want to watch... I don't... You just don't, do trauma. I want to do trauma so bad. Just pick it as your category. Class of Newcomb High, Poultry Geist. I love the theme song for Newcomb High. It's so good. It's so good. Poultry Geist is not not appropriate in any way. Poultry Geist is not. That might be. I don't want to say it's my least favorite trauma film, but it is probably the grossest trauma film I've seen. It's iconic though. It is iconic. Yeah, I mean, we'll cover trauma at some point. We we've discussed when we have to do that. That's it's true. Just insane. That, but you can always throw it on as a category. I just love the Toxic Avengers so goddamn much. Yeah, that's my favorite. It's so good. And there are also just so many trauma films that aren't horror at all. Like, I think there's one called Trauma War. Not horror at all. It's like a dumb, spoofy action movie. No, it, it counts. But it's awesome. It counts. It is such a fucking dumb, hilarious movie. It was up on Shutter for a while. Was it really? I think Joe Bob reviewed it. It counts. Did he really? I think so, yeah. It's not horror at all. It's a Jason E. It's made by Troma. It is definitely like <laughs> peak 80s action movie bullshit. Yeah. That's the entire film. It's awesome. I love that movie. There's certain horror films that are considered horror films that are exactly that. Really? But they're just 80s action movies. That's kind of awesome. Uh, there's a very famous one that I'm not going to mention because I know Bob hasn't seen it. Oh, okay. But yeah, that's, I think, all the news. <sighs> yeah, I can't I think of anything else. About. I've actually, I should, uh, a little behind the scenes thing. I've started when I send you some, when I send you something, writing down in my notes on my phone whether it's like should we talk about it on the podcast. That's fair. And you know what I didn't do today? Look at the list of things I have on my phone. Oh, when we started I, I just went and looked. Yeah, I just have a list from when you send them to me. I think the only thing I didn't mention is there was a Friday the Thirteenth fucking 
Jesus Christ, what's it called? Like G Fuel or something? Oh, that yeah, that was funny. Me and you were like, I want this. <laughs> well, because it's hilarious. Mostly because we had just finished watching Friday. I mean, even we have ju- – I think we the last episode came out last Wednesday. Or yeah. the Wednesday before last Wednesday. Yeah. So we just finished week. that. Like, very, very recently. So it was fresh on the mind, and I was like, this is hilarious. I just think it's funny, because I know Bob, and he's a little gremlin. So he'd drink the G Fuel, and then <laughs> leave the open can on his shelf. <laughs> Look, I would. I, I Oh, it's not in here. It's on my shelf in my bedroom. Uh, one one of, for, what is it? Is it Dragon Ball? So, yeah, I was about to mention this. One of my friends went to a, basically, like, a gimmick shop in a different city and he brought back some stuff to try and it was like a Dragon Ball Z energy drink that's has piccolo on the can. Yes, but you're supposed to not drink them when you save the can. Well, no, I dr- we drank them and then I cleaned <laughs> out the can and kept <laughs> the can cuz it's cool. There was also a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure one with Jotaro on it. Drank that one too. Kept the can. Sick. They look really cool. They're just like cool little pieces. I know, Bob, but it's see if there's still drinks in there, you're a collector. The drink is gone. You're a hoarder. <laughs> But they look cool. They're <laughs> on my shelf with all my other stuff. It's trash now. It's not trash. It looks cool. Mm-hmm. It's right next to my katana. It's cool looking trash. It is cool looking trash. <laughs> Just like your katana. How I'll, <laughs> I'll go get it right now and cut you. <sighs> all right. We got two categories left, Bob. Yeah. We got meta slashers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you covered four movies in that category. And then we have space. Now, what you doing? So... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain this right now. For the audience and for a very specific person, I want to pick Meta Slashers. Because right. I know what's in there. Okay. At least I think I know. Okay. Right? We, we both know, but maybe I'm wrong and you lied to me. What do you think is there? Scream. Scream uh, has to be there. That is the Meta Slasher, right? Okay. But my dear friend Hunter really, really, really wants us to cover Scream because that's like his favorite horror movie ever. And he always wants to talk to me about it. He's like, I can't because you haven't watched it. Fuck you, Hunter. I'm going to pick it last. Okay. Now, Just out of pure spite, so you have to wait an extra week. I get I get the pure spite thing, right? Yeah. Do you want to end the season kind of knowing what movie is going to be there? Yeah, because I know it's going to be good. Okay. That's my thing is this is guaranteed to be either A, a good episode, or B, just a fun movie with a lot to talk about. Because Scream is like something we can really unpack, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that has the biggest potential to be awesome as an episode. Not that I'm hyping up an episode we have yet to record, so I don't actually know how good it's going to be. But, it, I don't know, you could be really spiteful and the episode could be five minutes long and you go, eh, this is okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what sucks about that movie is I know how it ends. So it's like, I'm going to lose all of that, but I'll be able to appreciate it more, I think, because I'll be able to look at everything retrospectively as I watch the film for the first time. Like, if that makes sense? I, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm not picking that. I'm going to wait. I'm picking space. Space. Also because we haven't been to space in, space. like, fucking, what, two weeks? Three weeks? Uh, something like that. It's been a while. And I want to go back to space. It's been, like, a long time. It yeah, Bob like. hasn't been doing his one, two, three thing that he likes to do. Well, yeah, because I, I, you know... I like to change. I like to change it up sometimes. No, you don't. The only times you change it up are by accident. Sometimes I forget. <laughs> I'm waiting till we get cannibalism, and then I'm not gonna pick that category. Because then he's not gonna pick that category till the last like three weeks. Yep, it's gonna be glorious. No, it's not. We're just gonna turbo load. I'm gonna be honest. Is if we get cannibalism on the podcast, cannibals, 
I'm going to throw up every uh, episode. I'm so excited. I'm not. I'm dreading that shit. I'm so excited. Oh, God. So, yeah, I'm picking space, Ben. Space! The hell are we watching? Uh, well, we're, we're just going to be going to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism. You, you made that fucking joke. Like, <laughs> I think you made that joke on Pandora? I will make that joke every time I hear the word space. Okay. Because Tim Curry's amazing. You know that, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, we're watching Alien. Fuck yes. Oh my god. Thank god. I was going to be so angry if I picked this category and you didn't put Alien on here. Yeah. Aliens from Planet Nine. Wait, hold on. What? <laughs> Are we not watching Alien? We're watching a movie called Aliens from Planet Nine? No. What, hold on, now I'm confused. I'm stupid. What are we watching, Ben? <laughs> Alien. We're watching Alien. Yeah. Like you were just too cocky, and I wanted to fuck with you. <laughs> oh, thank God. I I'm so excited. I have not seen Alien since I was twelve or thirteen. Oh. And I left the room early because I got scared. When did you leave the room? Oh, fairly early on in the film. Like what had happened? You you can do a, a visual gag here on the audio podcast. I, that might be. I remember seeing that. But I don't remember where that when that is. It's been a long time. All right. Well, but I'm very excited to watch this film. Okay. Well, it came out in 1979. Damn. Which, uh, yeah, it's kind of old. It is old. Description: Space truckers should not make first contact. That's what you need to know. That's the main <laughs> takeaway from this film. Okay. Uh, it's an hour and 57 minutes long. Oh my god! I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, it's long, and I think we will probably be watching the director's cut because I think I can find it and I like it better. Okay. And that one's longer, obviously. I think that's in the two-hour range. Cool. It's rated R. View scores are very high. Yeah, it's alien. IMDb gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Hell yeah. Metameter gave it a 98%. God damn. And audience score of 94%. Holy shit. About as high as you get. Yeah. Especially for, like, a two-hour film. Mm -hmm. Like, that is... Those are high scores. I feel like a lot of people don't... People love it. Yeah. Like, this is a film that started a franchise, but, like... Not just a franchise of movies, but novels, comic books. I was about to say, tons of spinoff content. Video games, toys. I personally love it. Yeah. I, know, I have friends who are like big alien nerds. It's great. For awards, it has 18 wins and 22 nominations. God damn. Notable actors, Tom Skerritt as Dallas. Uh, he played David Drumlin in Contact. Sigourney Weaver as Ripley. She played Dr. Grace Augustine in Avatar. It's kind of the movie that like, Kind of gave her career juice, you know? Yeah. Veronica Cartwright as Lambert. She played Nancy Belichick in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Ugh. the 1978 remake. Okay. There's a there's an older one, but that's a, that's a very good version of it. Harry Dean Stanton as Brett. Uh, he played Lucky and Lucky. Uh, John Hurt as Kane. I love John Hurt. He's great. The most recent film he's been in that we've talked about on this podcast he played Professor Oxley, you know, the ox man, in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, okay. I didn't know where you were going with that. I think a lot of people would know him more famously, including Bob, as uh, Mr. Ollivander in Harry Potter. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. The wand guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's I know what you're talking about now. Ian Holm as Ash. He's pretty famous because he plays uh, Bilbo in Lord of the Rings. Old Bilbo. Oh, okay. Uh, Yafet Koto as Parker. Uh, he played Dr. Kananga. Kananga. I think it's Kananga. 
who is also just called Mr. Big in um, Live and Let Die. I don't know that one. James Bond film. That's why. <laughs> I've never seen a James Bond film in my life. Really? Yeah, we've had this discussion. You got you had the exact same reaction last time. <laughs> you haven't seen any of the new ones? Nope. Never seen one. Not a single I've never seen a single James Bond film. Really? Yeah, no, That's just sad, Bob. never had any interest, never got around to watching them. Didn't really care. They're fun. I mean, yeah, I've heard they're fine. I mean, some of them I've heard are really good, but some of them I heard are okay. Well, yeah, it's a franchise that has stretched so many years. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're fucking... That film franchise is older than, like, your parents, you know? Yeah. And so there's there's good parts and there's bad parts. And the in-between. Not to mention, it's gone on so long, there's different, like, James Bond actors. Oh, yeah. There's, like, different versions of James Bond. There's, like, different iterations. And they're different. I, I think the closest approximation for, like, similar content would be is Doctor Who. Kind of in that same vein of it's gone on for a long time, so there's different eras and different actors. Yeah. So you could be into one, like, a lot, and then really, really hate another section of it. Kind of like that. Mm. But we've talked about James Bond because, um, and I forget his name, but uh, Loomis. Yeah. Is one of the most famous. James Bond, like, villains, villains. right? What, what's his actor's name? Oh, my God. Donald How? Pleasance. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say. I, I was like, where is his, what is his name? Anyways, Balaji Badejo. Badejo? Badejo? He plays the alien. He's in the suit. Oh, okay, cool. And then Helen Horton as the voice of Mother. Uh, and she played Mus Henderson in Superman 3. The old Supermans. Never seen him. I know, Bob. We've talked about this. Yep. You got mad at me about that one, too. It's just... Doing this podcast is always one of those weird things for me. Because I've realized how many movies I watched as a child that most people just didn't. Yeah. Like, I just watched a lot of movies with my dad um, growing up. So I've... I grew up with a lot of films that I don't think most people my age grew up watching. I mean, fair enough. Now, Bob's a pretty egregious example of not watching movies. I mean, sure. But, uh, you know, it still holds true. I think before the age of, like, 16, I'd seen less than 10 movies, probably. That's just bad. Yeah. They were all Transformer. No, (laughs) some of them. No, they were Star Wars. Like, I'd seen all three. I'd seen the Star Wars trilogy. Like, the original three. Did you watch more Transformers movies? Than Star Wars movies? No. She only watched three Star Wars films. Well, no, I'd seen... Well, okay, maybe I lied. Maybe it was probably like 20-something movies. Okay. (laughs) I'd seen all three (laughs) Star Wars, and then I'd seen the prequels, which are god-awful. Not the worst trilogy in that franchise. (laughs) I don't know. It is definitely not the worst trilogy in that franchise. (sighs) The new trilogy is not good. It's the worst. The prequels are... a. Like the fir- the Phantom Menace makes me want to gouge my but eyes. But they stand out. head and shoulders, head and shoulders, Bob. Maybe. Anyways, uh, director's Ridley Scott. Yeah. He also directed Blade Runner. Oh, actually, I didn't he know that. that movie. Uh, writers Dan O'Bannon. You know that name. Return Bob. of the Living Dead. Yes, it is. I was like, I know that name. Who was that? Uh, he wrote the screenplay, but he also has a story credit. Cool. That's super cool. That is sick as fuck. And then there's Ronald. Uh, Shusset, who also has a story credit, and he uh, has a story credit as well on Total Recall. Like, I think he wrote that one. Oh, cool. I haven't seen that movie, but that's like, what, Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie? The original one, yeah. Yeah, cool. There's a remake that came out, like, a decade ago. Yeah. They're f- yeah. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Not great, but it's fun. It's a fun movie. I mean, yeah. Budget's estimated at $11 million. That's a lot of money in 1979. With a box office of $106.3 million. Oh, my God. Uh, country of origins, obviously United States. 
Uh, its working title was Star Beast. That's a sick ass title. It's sick. I like Alien better. I like Alien better too because, because it's just generic. Generic, but also Star Beast makes me think of like that feels like it should be an animated cartoon from the eighties. I think it's more along the lines of Star Beast is a lot more identifiable, right? Yeah, sure. But Alien is generic enough that only in the case that this film gets huge, it would become synonymous with the concept. Sure. It's that's basically fair. a shitty name if this film didn't do well. No, yeah. Because then it would have been hard to like find this movie. Because like, t- Alien as a concept is like right. everywhere. So like, if you wanted to watch Alien, the movie, it would have been hard to find. But since it did so well, it's a great name. Yeah. No, that's fair. Tagline. In space, no one can hear you scream. Is that what this is from? Yeah. That is really, that's, it's from the Alien tagline. Yeah. I've heard that used so many times. We literally used it in the fucking season title. Yeah, our season title, guys, is uh, at Space Camp. No one can hear you scream. <laughs> yeah. Which is, might be the best season title we've had so far. That's pretty good. It's pretty fantastic. I don't really have too many, like, facts about this film. And, again, it's going to come down to the simple fact that I love this film. It's great. And I know a bunch of random bullshit about it. But also, a lot of you guys uh, listening to this podcast might as well because it's it's a pretty big favorite for people. And that means that a lot of people just have a lot of general knowledge about it. But also, there's a shit ton of, like, Mm -hmm. well-documented information on this film that you can go and look at. And I personally don't really want to get, like, super heavily into kind of production facts about this film on the podcast because like a some of its general knowledge for our target audience go figure but also there's just a lot to cover and Mm -hmm. if i get into it it's kind of hard for me to like not want to be really precise and really thorough and cover everything yeah so it's it's going to be one of those things where i'd love to come back to this and do like a deep dive yeah into the movie at some point i mean we've talked about it we and we maybe, want to come back and cover all these really big films in yeah. a more formal, almost, I don't want to say scripted, because I don't know if we're going to do a script. It would be scripted. But yeah, something more documentary-like, where we just like talk about it and like break stuff down and discuss it in a more precise, you, yeah. analytical way. But uh, we're not going to do that here. So No, because this is like, you know, yeah, us watching a movie and talking about things we like, things we didn't, and also me screaming a lot. Yeah, so if we're going to cover everything, it'll kind of be more like lore stuff that I know mm-hmm. off the top of my head. Which I think we've actually covered some background knowledge about this film on previous episodes. We might have. Like talk, just generally talking like, oh yeah, this thing happened in Alien. Yeah, probably. Or like stuff like that. But I'm not going to talk about anything specific here. We're going to save that for later if we ever get to it. Um, what I will say though off the bat, because I think people kind of know this, H.R. Geiger's the guy who's mostly responsible for a lot of the artwork you see in the movie. Oh, cool. So, like, all the alien stuff. He's very famous for doing, like, very sexual kind of artwork. Mm. So, there you go, guys. Sexy xenomorph. But it's not like, not like, not like how Bob's saying. <laughs> but more, um, how do I put this? He has this style, and you'll see it in all, like, the alien artifacts mm-hmm. in the background and stuff. That is very organic like mm. biomechanical okay kind of looking but there's also a lot of stuff that is sexual in the sense that it references or represents like sex and sex organs mm-hmm. we'll talk about that i think after because it will come up okay but i, I do think that is worth mentioning because like that's the art you know mm-hmm. that's kind of the art that shapes the franchise going forward because everyone's like ah the aliens 
this is how they look, this is how they work, you know, stuff like that. Um, Aside from that, the only other thing I think that's worth mentioning right here is that uh, in 2002, it was deemed culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant, and I got added to the Library of Congress. Hell yeah, brother. uh, For preservation. That's sick as fuck. I actually didn't know that. So yeah, it's in the United States National Film Registry, along with some other films. I think Halloween. Halloween, yeah. Yeah. The only one I can go off the top of my head. The Exorcist. Oh, The Exorcist. I think that one was in there, too. Yep. Basically, if you could make $106 million. <laughs> yeah. I well, mean, actually, no. You'd have to make more than that nowadays. Yeah, inflation, baby. But if you can make a lot of money and um, also change. An entire genre, basically. Yeah. And, you know. What? No, this changed two genres. Because you have to think. Horror and sci-fi. This was horror and sci-fi. And it radically shifted both. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, and if you have uh, people talking about your film, how many years later? Like, 40 years later? Well, if you still have films coming out 40 years later. Yeah. Like, you know, you kind of deserve to be in there. I'm excited for the TV show. Yeah. Coming out soon. It looks cool. I haven't seen a ton on it. I just know they finished filming it. I will say, I'm very sad that the recent trilogy of films didn't get finished. Do you know about that? No, I don't know anything about it. So, you know Prometheus, right? Yeah, I've so heard of that one. That film came out in 2012. And Prometheus, it's... Uh, what's the best way to put this? It's also done by Ridley Scott, right? And it was oh. like his return to the franchise. That's cool. And it was intended to be the first film out of a a trilogy, I believe. Okay. So, Prometheus came out. It did meh. And then he produced a second film which is Resurrection, Alien Covenant. Covenant. That came out in 2017, and that one didn't do like good mm-hmm. at all. And so the Prometheus franchise like died. Ah, what is Alien Resurrection? What is that? Uh, Resurrection? Yeah. Uh, that is four. Oh, okay. But, I was like, that sounds familiar. You know, long story short, it only got two movies in a three-movie franchise, and it was very frustrating because, like, personally, I don't really like Prometheus mm-hmm. or Covenant all that much. Like, I don't think that's <laughs> my favorite part of the Alien franchise. I mean, sure. But one of the issues with that film uh, franchise is that it was structured as a trilogy. And so you could tell they were building up to the third movie. Mm. And so all the issues I had with the first two films were things that I pretty much knew we're going to get resolved into that third film. Oh, that I, sucks. I didn't get what I wanted in the first two movies, but I knew it was going to happen in the third film. Yeah. And then we didn't get the third film, and I was like, I spent all this time waiting. And it's never going to happen. Where is it? That sucks, dude. Uh, we'll get there eventually, and we can discuss it when we get yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, I want to watch Aliens. That movie's fucking sick. Yeah, I thought about having that on the board today, but then I was like, we've done... That would be... Six films in three categories. Yeah. And look, I like doing the doubles, but they are exhausting. It was, it was more along the lines of I, I didn't I didn't really think they would go together well. Like Alien and Aliens go together really well. Yeah. But there's enough of like a jump where I don't think like we have to have them back to back, you know? Sure. And also it leaves it open like we just finished our Friday series. We need to do something next. Maybe we'll do Alien. Yeah. Also, it's kind of the idea of, I think I've discussed this before, but I don't necessarily like to do double spaces. Yeah. There are a lot of work on us. Mm -hmm. And so the only time I usually do them is if, like, I'm basically going to wipe out the franchise. Mm -hmm. Because that's what we did on I Know What You Did Last Summer and Urban Legend. Urban Legend. Because, like, those are three movie franchises, but it's really two movies and then a third film that has the same name. Vaguely related. Yeah. 
but with the Alien franchise, it was like, yeah, Alien and Aliens is a great double feature. In mm-hmm. fact, you're watching at home. That's how I'd recommend you do it. But you don't have to do it that way. And we've already done that twice this season. Oh. So sucks, but we're just not going to do it. On that note, though, I'm I'm ready to start. Okay. Yeah. We'll uh, see you guys after the movie. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We just finished watching Alien. Yeah. Yep. About long. It's a long movie, yeah. I mean, it, the one we watched was what, like an hour 55? We watched the director's cut. Yeah. Uh, one of the few times where the director's cut is like available on streaming, which is amazing because I like the director's cut of this film more. But it is only like an hour, uh, a minute longer. Yeah. So it's an hour and 58, I want to say. It's something like that. It's only a little bit longer. Yeah, an hour and 58. I will say, you told me when the director's cut piece started and ended. Yeah, so you can see where the director's cut is, and that's kind of like a common thing on a lot of director's cuts. So if you don't know how director's cuts work, it's usually like extra footage that didn't make it into the actual movie. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's some weird cuts, uh, but usually it's extra footage, and... The issue with that is that sometimes this extra footage wasn't, like, treated the same way mm-hmm. as, like, the stuff that uh, went into print and was shown at movie theaters, especially with older movies. Yeah. I don't think it's as big of a deal nowadays anymore, especially because everything's digital. Yeah, I was about to say, it's usually all – there's normally not any quality issues or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, but with older stuff, there is usually a quality difference, especially mm-hmm. if the footage was missing for a long time. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if that's the case with this one off the top of my head. But there is a quality difference. You can tell. Also, some of the scenes fit a little janky. Mm-hmm. It's not anything like super noticeable, but there isn't as smooth of a transition as you necessarily want. So you can't tell it's there. Um, but it's only a minute. Yeah. It's basically one big scene. Mm-hmm. There's a couple other things where it's like a few frames are added in here and there. But it's this one big scene that I'd recommend watching the film with because uh, it's cool. It's a cool scene. That's what I was going to get to is like we watched the director's cut and I would say it's worth it because I think it adds a lot in terms of characterization for a certain character. And like like the character almost feels lacking without that scene in a little bit of a way. Like there's something about that scene that just hits me so hard where I'm like, why isn't that in the actual cut of the film? Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, the reason I always like to include it, because there's like a there's a cool lore thing about it that we can maybe talk about if you want. Oh, I did Sure. We can. Okay. I think we're just going to go into describing the film. Yeah. Sorry so, to get ahead of uh, you a little bit, but like yeah. that was just something cool that I wanted to mention. That's fair. I mean, we don't normally watch director's cuts on here, because like, I can't get them mm-hmm. easily unless we buy the DVD. Before we get into the description, though, I am just going to put this out here that to talk about this movie, there's going to be spoilers. Yeah. This is one of those films where if you don't know anything about it, somehow, somehow, at this stage in your life that you're listening to this podcast, please go watch it. Yep. There's some really impactful moments in here that are super famous, but knowing about them kind of spoils yeah. some of the impact. I will say, there's one that I knew about. There's one that I didn't know about. And, and the I one about, that you didn't know about hit great, I about right? lost my mind. Yeah. So I highly recommend to go into this film blind if you can. With that being said, there's going to be some mega spoilers if you don't know anything about this movie. Yeah. Just discussing the uh, description. So uh, I'm just going to give a you know spoiler warning here. 
And once I'm done with the description, we're just going to go fully into spoiler territory. Mm-hmm. I'm not really going to leave anything out. Usually we we have like a spoiler section, but I'm not really going to do that with this movie because it's so old and it's so famous. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to discuss without getting into that. On that note, though, I'm just going to start describing it. It's a pretty simple premise overall. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's this crew. They're on board. I think the ship's called the Nostromo. Mm-hmm. I, I say I think. It's the Nostromo. I know that for a fact. What I'm at really questioning is whether the Nostromo is the ship the crew's in or if it's this big miner. Because really what it is is there's this small ship, which is like just a, a normal spaceship, and it is connected to this giant mining platform. Mm-hmm. And that the crew's in this small ship, and then you know this big mining platform's just a part of everything. But they're coming back from a mining operation. It is... I don't know, like, personally, whether they're actual miners or if they're just the people picking up this uh, big mining rig. I would assume that the big mining rig is, like, was on a different planet and they're just picking it up. Yeah. That's what I would assume. Because it doesn't seem like they're miners. My assumption has always been they are the haulers, mm-hmm. which is why in the description I called them space truckers. Space truckers. Because they essentially pretty are. Pretty funny. Because I, I think they are just hauling this rig uh, back home. Mm-hmm. With all the stuff on it. Because at the beginning of the film it opens and it's like it's processing ore on the trip. But yeah, they're hauling it back to, assumedly, the uh, soul system, and everyone on the ship's in cryosleep, and, you know, all the the lights and the computers are down, and as we're in this opening sequence, we see the computers and the lights flip on, and all the crew's woken up, and, you know, they get up, and they're excited, they're eating, and they're just, like, ready to go back home, because that's the whole thing. They're, they're months out, and when they wake up, they should be close enough to, like begin docking procedures and the crew very quickly realizes that we're not where we're supposed to be mm-hmm. like when we wake up we're really far out we're like not even in the uh the outer rim of uh the soul system so our uh system and the captain goes and he talks to the computer it's called mother and he learns that essentially they've been woken up due to automatic protocols built into the ship uh, basically a transmission of unknown origin but potentially intelligent was picked up and there's something in their contract that is basically along the lines of hey if you pick up something that could be an sos sign Mm -hmm. you gotta go check basically the equivalent of maritime law but in space yeah pretty standard stuff and none of them are exactly happy about it no because it's just like kind of a pain yeah, they're essentially just wasting time when they could be heading home. And they are they don't get paid extra for it, obviously. Nope. So they're all kind of yapping, but they have to because if you don't follow the law and also the stuff in your contract, you don't get paid. Yep. Pretty, pretty standard operation procedures. So they undock their ship from the mining platform and take it to where the signal's coming from, which is this small planetary body. And they land there, and, well, they land the ship's damaged a little bit, but they're able to get out in their... Uh, you know, exosuits, their, you know, space suits, and walk to where the signal's coming from because I think they said it was what? It wasn't far. No, it wasn't far. 2,000 meters? It was something like that. It was yeah. It was basically well within walking distance of where they parked. I think kind of far, but It was a journey, but it wasn't unreasonable. And so three people get out of the ship and walk there. I believe it's Dallas, Kane, and... Lambert. Lambert, is that her name? Yeah. But they all walk to this ship, and what they find, that the signal's coming from, is this very clearly alien ship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's shaped like... Like a U. Yeah, like a horseshoe, almost. 
and it, it it's wild looking. Uh, we described some of the art of H.R. Geiger. That's kind of where this comes in. But the whole thing kind of looks like not alive because it's all very clearly abandoned and like rusted out. But it's organic in a really gross way. Yeah, biomechanical is the word I always go for. Like the inside of the corridors look like the inside of a creature, like the ribs. Yeah. Really cool. But they go into this abandoned ship and one of the people ends up finding alien life. And lo and behold, it gets brought back on the ship. Yep. And things go poorly. Um, that's kind of where I'm going to leave this description, I think, without getting too into spoilers. Yeah. That, that was a, a pretty good bit of the movie, though, I will say. Well, it's because this movie's really slow. I mean, I don't think they get to that alien planet until, like, 40 minutes in. No, it's not that long. They get to the alien planet about 20 or 30. But, um, yeah. But that whole sequence I just described is, like, a 30, 40-minute thing. And, you know, that's not even half the movie. So it's a, it's a very long, slow movie. And I will say that off the bat. If you haven't seen this film, I really like it. But it is very atmospheric and slow-paced, so if that's not your thing, you might find it really boring. Yeah. But on that note, we're actually going to get into uh, talking about this, so if you don't want any spoilers, don't listen. Uh, On that note, you ready? Talk about it? Yeah. Okay. So, straight off the bat, is there anything you want to talk about? I mean, look, I... This movie, people love it for a reason. It's... It's so cool. Like, that's that's my thing with this film is, like, it's such a wild interpretation of the, of the future. Yeah. Like, it is – you mentioned it. What is it called? You. It's a very specific type of, like, design. Yeah. So I, I was talking to a Bob about it during the movie, and I was like, let me look up this term because I, I didn't know it off the top of my head because I always forget. But uh, I believe the term is cassette tape futurism. Yeah. And it's this kind of – idea in fiction that you have a alternate future that is inspired by obsolete technology so the one that everyone knows is steampunk you know like this idea of like oh there's a bunch of kind of futuristic stuff Mm -hmm. but it's all steam and like gears and stuff like that and there's a bunch of those which i think is something that people don't really think about unless Mm -hmm. you're into like writing and media and stuff like that one of the other really popular ones is diesel punk. Yeah. Which is like you know, Mad Max style stuff with uh, diesel. But there's a there's a bunch of those that fit into that category. Just to name them. Ray punk, which is like ray guns, gothic kind of stuff. Yo. Adam punk, which is basically what Fallout is. Yeah. That was the big one that I was thinking of was Fallout. Cyberpunk, which is sometimes not considered in the cassette tape futurism. Mm-hmm. And then... Cassette futurism, or I guess you could call it cassette punk, is yeah. kind of what this is. But it's very 80s-inspired future. Yeah. And it's it's a very specific look. Like, we don't really see futuristic stuff that looks like this that doesn't come from this time period. Yeah. And I love it. It's probably it's, one of my favorite versions of the future. It's so fucking cool. Because it just looks... A, there's some weirdly retro stuff. Like, mm-hmm. the one that sticks out to me is the buttons. Everything is buttons. So that's what I want to bring up, is this movie is so tactile. tactile. Yeah. And it's so weird to me in a sense that, like, when we see stuff like any modern sci-fi film, it's all, like, LCD touchscreen LCD touchscreen stuff or holograms and whatnot. It Everything in this film is so tactile and, like, clicky and buttons and switches. And it adds so much depth and layers to every single thing that every single person does because they press a button you hear the dunk, like the click the clink it's just such a it adds so much 
but it's such a small thing that I fucking love. Like, all the CRTs, the way the text on the screen looks, like, all the cabling, and every everything is just so fucking intricate. It's insane, and I love it. Yeah, it, it's a look, and I love it. it. It looks like a more futuristic version of, like, actual space travel in the 80s. Yeah, man. If, if you're kind of looking at it from a modern perspective, it kind of looks industrial. Yeah, it like does. Like, just modern industrial stuff. And so that's kind of really cool to see in a space movie, because... Uh, if you couldn't already tell from my description, this movie follows people you normally wouldn't expect to follow in, like, a sci-fi picture. Mm-hmm. Like, these are blue-collar people. Yeah. So having, like, an environment that kind of fits that industrial aesthetic, it's just really cool. And it's I, I like super it. dope. I think the only thing that's, like, weirdly doesn't fit is the LCD screens. Like, not LCD. What are they? Um, the CRT. The CRT screens. I love, like, all the computer stuff. Mm-hmm. It looks really cool. Um, but I, what I will say is, like, well, I can, in my mind, justify, like, how all the sets look with all the buttons and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, that's stylistic. The computer screens are the one where it's, like, you guys got to space and you don't have, like, actual computers. Um, so that is the, the one that kind of sticks out. But I still love some of the CRT graphics. And when we got to the moon on those fucking computers, man. They're not on the moon. They're on an exoplanet. That's what I'm but saying. But we, we as human beings got to the moon we, oh, you on meant, those computers. I, I thought you meant in this movie. No. When they're landing. No, yeah. You can get to... You don't need that style of computer. That's what I'm saying. But So I totally could buy it, and I love it. I don't know. It's a cool aesthetic, and I think that's probably one of the first thing a lot of people notice. That was my that was my big thing at the start of the film was getting to see all of that stuff and seeing how layered and in depth they went, even with their fucking spacesuits and like the way they're um, they look like thinner versions of like traditional NASA suits. Yeah, like what someone took it on onto the moon. Mm-hmm. You know, no, just, they're just so cool. Just kind of like minor tweaks so it doesn't feel like into the far-flung future i think this is said in like 2200 or so yeah um so it's not that far off from when this film was made and you know while we're talking about how things look i just want to say the cinematography in this film is beautiful it's fucking nuts they have so many shots that are just insanely impressive especially Mm -hmm. when you remember this film came out in what 1979 yeah it's just the whole opening it's really slow we get these basically long panning shots of space but they're insane. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, oh, look, there's a whole planet. Or like, here's this whole ship that is the size of, I don't know, probably bigger than a mining platform. Oh, yeah. Like one of the big oil drill platforms. Mm-hmm. Just insane stuff. Uh, there's yeah. also some great miniature work. I wanted to bring up that, too. Yeah, the way they do the ships, because it's 1979, they don't do CGI stuff. It's all minis on sets. And it looks so fucking cool yeah you, reminds me so much of the original star wars trilogy that's what they had to do in the original star and wars it's awesome yeah you don't see stuff like that anymore because it, it used to be really expensive yeah assumedly we're getting to the point where it's getting a lot cheaper to do stuff like that mm-hmm. it'll be cool to see like in a couple years if people try to do like a sci-fi picture or something yeah that are like indie films because like 3d printing's a thing now mm-hmm. and you can print like models that are pretty really detailed intricate and you just need a painter but yeah the the model works great yeah like the uh the alien ship that we mentioned in the description that's all model stuff that's a model it's really cool they have this big shot where it's like you see the alien ship and you see this environment assumedly it's all like in miniatures Mm -hmm. on like a a back set but you can see them walking towards it and they're just like the tiniest lights in the distance it gives so much scale to like how 
monstrously massive everything is, and it's so cool. And it just shows such great attention to detail. I mean, we haven't talked too much about it, but all the interior shots of all the different spaceships. Oh, my God. So, so good. I mean, I think our last, like, in-space film on here was Jason X. I know that wasn't on the board. Yeah. But I I told you during Jason X that looked cheap, Mm -hmm. and you can tell in comparison to this film. But even, uh, I think our last film was Pandorum. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, these sets look so much more iconic yeah. than that one. Well, also, I think the thing is, like, in Pandorum, nobody was living in those sets. They were, like, industrial in, like, a... They do, but they look so much more like a, a submarine mm-hmm. than these ones look vaguely futuristic. But what's cool about these sets and why I think they look so much more intricate and detailed is because the places we get to see are places people live in. So you get all of their stuff and all of their things. Like, there's a really funny moment in the, in, during the movie where I went, oh, it's a picture of a cat. There's a cat in this film. Didn't know that. Oh, I, I, was, I thought you were going to talk about the one where we very clearly go past, I think it's, uh, the, who's the guy who wears the baseball cap? Uh, Brett? That, is that Brett? Yeah. We go past Brett's, like, work bunk area. Oh, and it's full of nude magazines on the wall? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's something that, like, is really cool is... While all of the sets are futuristic and well-designed and they look cool and they're made to be in this style, they also do a really great job of making them look like these people live here. They're lived in. There's extra detail where there doesn't – you don't need it. You know what I mean? But it's so nice to see because it adds depth to the film. We get characterization just by seeing people's living space. Yeah, I think that's kind of the point I was going for. It's like obviously I like the way the sets look in this one better than Pandorum. Yeah. I think they're more unique looking. To be honest, that's probably because this film had a better budget. Yeah. But it's also just the fact that the ones in Pandorum feel so soulless. Mm-hmm. Like, they basically reuse the same corridor over and over again. And this one is just so unique. Everywhere you go is like, yeah, that's cool. Well, we're also talking about interior shots and, like, minis. There's one really impressive shot in this movie just for, like, sheer scale that's an internal shot that um I just want to talk about because I know how it's done. At one point in the movie, they're inside the alien ship. Mm-hmm. And they find the pilot for the ship. Oh, yeah. And it's a really cool scene because, like, he looks bizarre. Weird. Looks like an elephant kind of. Kind of, yeah. And he's strapped into this seat. And it's really hard to tell, like, what he looks like because, assumedly, he's been dead for a while. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, fossilized. Fossilized. I think they might say that, but he just they looks do. mummified, mm-hmm. basically. And very distinctly, there's a hole in his chest where they say, oh, it looks like the bones were bursted outwards which is you see that and you're like no (laughs) (laughs) no i'm done out of here bro i can't handle this shit uh but the thing i want to mention here is you look at this guy and he's huge fucking gargantuan they have to crawl onto the seat he's on because i think like their torso is the size of this guy's head kind of small and these are like three adults not to mention you have this whole background shot so this whole sequence is massive but they had to do all that with practical effects. That's nuts. I mean, do you know how they did that? No. They got a bunch of mini suits and they put children in them. <laughs> they just built like a normal sized guy. Whoa, that's actually really fucking rad. Yeah. So I just wanted to bring that up because it goes to show like kind of all the problem solving they had to do to get all these shots done. And it's just really cool. Yeah. Because when you're working with such a large environment like space or spaceships, I find that a lot of movies struggle with scale. And this movie does not have that problem. No. This, and it's so nice. This film is big in ways that 
you don't see often. No, yeah, this film is quite literally massive. It is crazy. Moving on from just appearance stuff, though, sound design's also really good in oh this. Oh my god. <laughs> this motherfucking sound design is so cool. It's all very subtle sound. Yeah, dude. And to be honest, we have to listen to the movies pretty low so our yeah. mics don't pick up on them. Bob, you couldn't hear half the sounds that go on. Because I could hear so a lot of them still. Quiet yeah. and subtle. There's one really good effect where I believe it's specifically the scene where Kane starts like repelling into uh, the bowels of the ship. Yeah. Where as he starts to do it, if I remember right, because I couldn't hear it, you get to hear a rattle in mm-hmm. the very subtly in the background to mark that he's in danger because it's it's a it's like a rattlesnake tail rattle. Yeah. And you can't really hear it in the film, but it's like just subtle stuff like that throughout. But this brings me back to the fact that the ship is so tactile in all the button stuff because you every sound is so I, it's my favorite part of this movie. Uh, <laughs> is so like intense and well thought out where it's like when you hear someone hit something, it makes a noise on purpose. Like there's yeah. everything is purposeful. There will be moments where you'd be like, oh, there should be score here, but there's nothing. And that's for a reason because you get to hear like the groans and aches of the ship or steam or just like this movie is so ambient in the best way possible. And they use sound to make it so much more intense and yeah. almost visceral. <laughs> In a lot of ways, it is really fucking cool. And you mentioned, like, music. They do use music, but it's sparingly. And it's just yeah. atmospheric for the most part. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, you know, No underlying score or anything. Yeah, yeah it's, just it's just vague atmospheric music at occasional parts. Mm-hmm. Usually parts where there is no sound, like, in space. Yeah. And it's it's pretty, pretty great. I love Fantastic. it. Fantastic. All right. Aside from, like, all that appearance stuff, I think I have something I want to talk about. Okay. I'm not sure when you want to talk about it because I know enough to geek out about the aliens in this movie. Oh, God. So we can discuss that if you want. Or we can talk about how this movie maybe shouldn't have happened if someone had made one different decision. Okay. This would have been easily resolved. Both of those are tempting, but I'm more interested. Let's stay more on topic. Let's talk about the aliens first. Okay. So... How much do you know about the aliens in the Alien franchise? Well, from what I've seen in this movie, they're very wet, and I don't like that. I don't know if that was so much the aliens in this movie so much as, like, just the shit ton of condensation. This is a very wet movie, and I didn't like it. Well, I mean, I know how they make more of them. That's fucking gross. I don't like that. Sort of. But basically, you just know stuff from this movie, right? Essentially, yeah. Okay, so do you want me to break it down? Sure. All right. So, in the Alien franchise... The aliens are called Xenomorphs. That's just what they're called. It's technically like a nickname and not a species name. Okay. Because Xenomorph is just like a general term. It means like alien form. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, that's just recognized as the the creature's name, if you're ever wondering what to call them. But Xenomorphs are really cool because they have a horrifying life cycle. So they... um, they start off in these little eggs, oh, God. which um, do you want to describe that for the, the audience, Bob? Yeah. So, I mean, I've seen the eggs before. I don't think they look like they're, you know how when you get a loaf of bread and it's got an X cut in the top and like, you know what I mean? Like you got like a loaf of bread and there's like an X in the top. Yeah. It's like that, but egg shaped. Yeah. Uh, they're actually called obomorphs. If you're oh, wondering. I know that. And they're really gross. <laughs> they're kind of gross looking. It's kind of like an egg-shaped flower. 
Kinda, yeah. Because they they open up these four petals. Mm-hmm. And um, let's get into this really quick. Remember how I said H.R. Geiger liked to make something really sexual? Yeah, well, I got that. Originally, there was only two lips on this yep. flower, and it, it looked too much like a vagina. It makes sense, though. So they had to uh, change it to four. But that is on purpose because this is basically a creature that its only purpose is to incubate and then birth the second life form mm-hmm. in their life cycle, which are known as face huggers. <laughs> and they basically look like kind of like a spider. With yeah. a really long tail. You ever seen the head crab from Half Life, Half Life, and Half Life Two? Yeah, that's probably based on this. They they definitely just look like that, except with a tail. But what what the face huggers do is they are birthed out of the overmorphs, assumedly when the overmorph can sense anything like around it that's mm-hmm. alive. Uh, in this movie, Kane touches one. Don't touch things you don't know what they are. Yeah. Which I will say, there's a really, really cool shot where you can kind of vaguely see through the Elvamorph, assumedly, because he's shining his flashlight at it. But they sense anything. The face huggers will burst out the top, like the petals will open, and the face hugger will jump out. And it moves very quickly. That's the first thing you should note about this creature. They move fast. You don't see it a lot in this movie. But, Bob, they move fast. <sighs> and um, when they're exiting their uh, little eggs, they can jump. And they will jump onto something's face. Yep. Where they will proceed to, like, basically suction cup the underbelly of their body onto something's face. They'll take their little legs, which kind of look like crab claws, wrap it around your head, and then they'll take their tail and wrap it around your neck. The idea being so that you can't, like, physically remove them. Mm-hmm. If you try to remove them, it chokes you. Yeah, with the tail. At this point, it then takes a proboscis, essentially. And we'll shove it down your throat, and it'll use these, uh, there's some sacks on the side of its body that it'll use, like, as lungs to give you sustaining oxygen um, as it lays an egg in your chest. Uh, And it'll basically stay suctioned onto your face until it does that task. And then it dies. Yep. It'll crawl off, and it'll die somewhere. And just so you know, you can't remove it forcibly, because it's got acid for blood. Yeah. It will also, during the process of, like, suctioning onto someone, start changing out some of its normal flesh for, like, silicon. So it's highly resistant to, like, damage and temperature changes because of that. But, you know, once it dies, we get to the next life cycle or the next organism in the chain, which is the traditional xenomorph, right? Mm -hmm. But basically, it gestates inside your body. And my understanding is it basically eats its your insides yeah and uses those to like build itself up and eventually once it's done gestating it'll burst out your sternum that's mm-hmm. a chest burster that's what happened to the pilot that's why there was like the yeah. bones bursted outwards and the chest burster kind of just looks like a mix between a worm and a really tiny xenomorph yeah it's kind of freaky looking they're gross they're kind of like cute them. i like them cute is not the <laughs> word i use those things are if i ugh, i hate them but then those will rapidly grow up into the very classic xenomorph. I don't really need to describe it, I don't think. No, I mean, everyone's seen the alien from Alien, right? Yeah. It's like, a, come on. Very, very large. Um, big bulbous head, black. Big bulbous head. It's Gross black. claws. It, I will say it looks vaguely biomechanical. Yeah. Just like that ship we saw mm-hmm. in the movie. It's and got the crazy-ass double jaws. Yeah, it has a secondary set of jaws inside its jaws, which is something that actually happens in nature. You didn't know that. 
Uh, Are you fucking with me right now? I'm actually not. There is a real animal that has a double set of jaws. No fucking way. Like that. What is it? Eels. Uh, Eels have a secondary jaw. Uh, I hate them. It's stored in their throat most of the time, but basically they can grab something, and the secondary jaw will come out of their throat and grab on the food and, like, bring it back into their mouth. Oh. So they don't have to, like, let go to, like, suck it in. Oh. It's really cool. It's really, really cool. The secondary jaws in this are more distinct than the jaws in the eel, but it's worth mentioning. And in fact, if you didn't know this, a lot of the xenomorph life cycle is kind of based around nature. All this whole thing with like, all right, it's this organism that comes out of an egg, and then it lays an egg into something, and then that bursts out. I believe that's based very specifically on like parasitic wasps. Oh, Have you okay. ever seen stuff like that? No. There's a couple species of like wasps that will lay eggs in like caterpillars and stuff hmm. and they'll eat the caterpillar while it's still alive and then burst out of it that's foul pretty gross but one of the things i want to mention and why i recommend watching the director's cut is that there's another part of the life cycle that's only seen in the director's cut which is where the xenomorph will take assumedly still living victims i say assumedly maybe dead uh and will essentially melt them down into ovomorphs you know basically yeah. um they can secrete some type of gel that looks it's like it also gross coat surfaces at least in this movie and they'll can use it to transform people in this case into overmorphs that's only in this movie like it's only something we see in the director's cut of this movie yeah. so i will say it's not a part of the life cycle that we see in later films really okay just because the director of the next film didn't really have access to this but oh i yeah. actually didn't know that uh, nor did the audience right <laughs> yeah uh but I think it's really cool. No, it's cool. The only other thing I want to mention is that the alien we see, the big grown-up xenomorph, that's a drone. Oh, didn't that's know just, that. That's just what it's named. Okay. Scary. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it's a cool life cycle. This is, you can find tons of stuff on it. Yeah. If you really want an in-depth thing. But I think they're a lot of fun. On that note, though, do you want to talk about how this film could be prevented? Sure. All right. So we've kind of talked about it. Kane, one of the people, he's played by John Hurt. Yeah. Uh, gets... His face hugged. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about this. By the face hugger, which we didn't mention it so far. They also look like female genitalia. That's kind of how they're intended. I didn't think about that. That's, yeah. Yep. That's, that's how they're intended to look, but like with legs and a tail and kind of a spider. Oh, that's the worst part. It's the thing like spiders. <laughs> don't like spiders. I just don't like spiders. Yeah, Bob saw the face hugger for the first time. He's like, nope, this is where I walked out. <laughs> yep. I can't. I just, ah. Yeah, it's it's hard to talk about this film without being like, oh, yeah, this is kind of super sexual. You know what I mean? Yeah, have you seen the Xenomorph's head? I wasn't going to say that one. <laughs> well, it's there. But Kane gets face-hugged. Yeah. And you don't realize it until later on in the movie. But very scarily, the thing melted through his helmet. Yeah. Which is assumedly, I don't know, some very, very hard substance because it can block, like, rocks and stuff hitting it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it has to be. It's a space suit. Yeah, but, like, I'm just saying the planet had, like, a dust storm and rocks were being thrown mm-hmm. around. But Dallas and Lambert bring him back to the ship because he's passed out, as we learn he's later. He's got a crab on his face. There's a thing on his face. And assumedly, when it first got on his face, it maybe choked him out. Probably. To keep him from, like, freaking out. But they get into the airlock, and they're like, hey, let us in. And uh, Ripley, who's third in charge after Kane and Dallas, is like, no. <laughs> I'm not going to let you in. We have quarantine procedures which i want to note are the law in this universe that basically say if you're potentially infected with an alien pathogen can't let you onto the ship yeah and um 
then Ash, the science officer, lets him onto the ship. And I, I just want to bring this up as this moment of, wow, that one thing didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, the rest of this movie probably wouldn't have happened. No, yeah. Um, because if they just leave them in the airlock, we're all good. They left him in the airlock. Assumedly, uh, Kane still would have died. Yeah. Because it eventually burst out of his chest. But uh, assumedly, the chestburster would have ran off onto the planet. Yeah. And then they would have been fine. Or they would have just curb stomped that little bitch. He was stuck in the airlock with him. No, it's fast. I don't think they had the door open. But yeah, maybe they curb stomp it too. Fuck that little thing. Uh, scary. I just want to bring that up. Uh, on that note, I think the only other thing I really want to talk about, because I know it was a spoiler for you, not a spoiler, a surprise for you, because mm-hmm. we've already talked about the chestburster scene. I know we've talked about it on another episode. Yeah. It's really famous. I mean, it's very, 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 it's very super famous. iconic. There's not much to talk about. If you haven't seen it, you don't want to go watch this movie, just go watch that on YouTube. You can find it. It's a wild scene. It's great. Um, we've talked about it before, but like just the fact that like they were kind of surprised it happened. Yeah. Because the the whole rumor about it is they weren't told what was going to happen. It's kind of true. They didn't know exactly what was going to happen. They were aware something was going to happen, but they didn't know yeah. what. But anyways, getting back into it, I think the only other thing to talk about, because it surprised Bob, was the reveal that Ash is a synth. Yeah. He's a synthetic, so that's what they call him in this universe. But they're robots. Had no fucking idea. How'd you like that scene? It's wild. Because they... It's cool. It's a slow reveal. It's very, very slow. Ripley hits him on the head, and he starts like... You, th- you thought he was sweating milk. I said, why is he sweating milk? Which is fair. They keep mind in actual milk. It's just like white liquid. I don't yeah. really know what it was. And then he gets his head lopped off. Yeah. And it's just this great reveal. Because he gets hit on the head first, and he starts freaking out, and it's weird. Like, he starts rolling around. Yeah. Then they knock his block off. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's great. I thought you might vomit. No. Because you were, like, internals. Yeah, no, it's gross. It's definitely gross. It... Honestly, I would have been fine if it was blood, but it's just this weird white fucking liquid. Yeah. It looks like it could be cottage cheese, and I did not like that. Yeah, it's like milk. But yeah, that's what the insides look like. But I think it's probably one of the best reveals in this movie. Oh, for sure. It's crazy. All the stuff with the alien, it's unexpected the first time you watch it. I, I watched this movie blind the first time I saw it, and a lot of the alien stuff is done so well that you don't necessarily expect it. But you, you still have that mounting tension the whole film that uh, makes you go, yeah, because something's going to happen. You're expecting the alien, right? But the reveal that one of the crew members is not only a robot, but has set up this whole like elaborate sequence is just such a great reveal. Because yeah. we talked about it. This whole film would have been prevented if Ash didn't open the door yep. against orders. But we learned that he did that because, A, he's a robot taking orders from the company, which, scummy. Yeah. But also... That's his directive. Yeah. It's also like the alien is of no harm to him. Like, you can't chest burst him. He's not a human. Yeah. Never clear on <laughs> what the logistics are with that. Like, know. personally, generally speaking, the aliens can and will still kill synthetics. Well, I mean, like, he can't be, like, chest bursted. You know what I mean? Uh, he can still be killed. He can still be killed. But, like, yeah. he has a better chance of survival than the humans. Because what we don't know until he it's revealed that he's a fucking robot guy's mega strong because he's a robot. Oh, yeah, he is. Like, he's stupid OP. He is so strong. It's crazy. And they do some good ways of showing it. Like, yeah. Like, he tries to kill Ripley by shoving a magazine down her throat. Something that's only effective if you're ludicrously strong. Yep. But, yeah, all the effects with him, like, decapitating and everything are really that great. looks really good, yeah. The only part I think that looks a little bit bad is whatever their fake head was. 
doesn't look great in the yeah. close-up shots. Mm-hmm. And it really shows because when they have him talking and he's decapitated, it's his real head mm-hmm. shoved in the table. And you can tell. But I'm going to be honest, it's really impressive for 1979. It's impressive for and the also, year. Yeah. It, probably just doesn't look good to us because we're watching an ultra hd it's also covered in that weird milk shit and it's just gross i just want to mention this film looks great for a film that came out basically 45 years ago yeah in ultra hd looks amazing looks really like nice. the effects still basically hold up and yet it's so detailed that i could see like their pores it's wild the only other thing i want to mention because I, th- I thought it was really cool and i know you didn't pick up on it in relation to like ash being a robot is there's actually like a couple hints early on in the movie. Hey, there's some hints that like he knows what's going on. I don't know I if mean, you yeah. noticed, but that like he'll like look at things weird, or he'll sound weird when talking about the xenomorph. Yep. But one of the biggest hints you get like really, really early on that he's a robot. Not that he's aware of the situation, but that he's a robot is that there's a scene where Ripley goes to talk to him in the science lab, and he's looking at something, and she, he's he basically keeps telling her, "Hey, don't fuck with my shit. Get out yeah. of here." She eventually leaves, and right after she leaves, we see Ash pick up a cup that was on the table and drink it. And if you look closely, it's a white, milky substance. I didn't notice that, it's honestly. His, it's his inside juice. Yeah, whatever the, his internal liquid is. Ugh. Just wanted to mention that because I thought it was cool. On that note, I don't really have much more to talk about with this film. Like, honestly. Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of covered our bases. The last thing that I really want to talk about because we haven't, all the characters in this film are great. Oh, yeah. They're good. Not good people. No, some of them are scumbags. Yeah. But, like, in a love-to-hate them kind of way. They're very well acted and just well-written. Yeah. No, it's just overall pretty fun. Overall, it is a super well-put-together film when it comes to characterization, characters, different moments and stuff like that. Like, I guess my thing is I kind of expected, not that I had low standards coming in because it's fucking alien. Everyone loves this film, right? Yeah. I expected there to be, like, a flaw somewhere. <laughs> like, like, somewhere? <laughs> what do I find? <laughs> And I'm going to be honest, I don't have any problems with this film, like, almost whatsoever. Yeah. Like, it's so well done, so well put together. It feels cohesive and, like, complete in an almost perfect way. Like, there are very – the only thing I might have a small problem with is something that I mentioned to Ben during the movie. But the only person that recommends a way to deal with the xenomorph is the guy that's supposed to be keeping it alive, which is maybe a little bit of a thing. But I guess he doesn't know if it'll work or not, which is something you mentioned. I don't know. That's the only thing that rubs me a little weird. What Bob's referring to is they're basically asking Ash, how do we deal with this thing? And he's like, I don't know. Fire. I don't think he says fire. I think he's just like, I don't know. Basically, they keep pushing him for like information that could deal with them. Yeah, because he's, he's like the science officer. And the, the only thing he's like, I'm questionable about, I'm questionable about like what effect it will have on the creature. He's like, temperature. And yeah. he doesn't tell them fire. I want you to notice it. No, he does say fire. He goes, animals are afraid of fire. Try that. No, he says temperature, and I think Ripley goes, what does that mean? Like, fire? And he goes, well, I mean, animals are afraid of fire. Mm. It's basically in this very teeth-pulling way. It's very clear he doesn't want to tell them anything useful. Yeah. But he also can't give up the gig because then they'll attack him. I guess that's fair. So they eventually get the whole maybe fire will work kind of thing. And even then, I I do want to make the point that I don't even think – Ash knows if fire will work. Yeah. However, I'm going to put this out here. Well, the xenomorphs are probably afraid of fire. It probably doesn't do much. No. Especially the blow torches they have, which use gas. Because we talked about it earlier in the film. Their exterior is, like, silicon-based. Mm-hmm. 
That stuff's like temperature resistant. <laughs> no, yeah, the xenomorph is basically uh, impenetrable. From yeah. what from what I saw in this first film, you are not going to kill this thing. Point being, if the fire thing seems like an issue for you, it's information he eventually had to give. But also, I guess yeah, probably not super effective. But I mean, that's like my only thing, and it's like the smallest gripe in the world. Like I, <laughs> that's your only gripe with this film. Yeah, I can't think of any other things that I have a problem with. Like. The only thing I have an issue with this film personally is how slow the xenomorph moves in some scenes and like just how it looks sometimes. But to be honest, that's more of a technical limitation of yeah. the big suit at the time mm-hmm. rather than anything wrong with the movie. Yeah. I just I thought mean, I should mention it. I've seen clips from movies later in the series. It, And from what I can tell, it is a lot more animalistic later. And in <sighs> this, it's vaguely humanoid because they had to do a suit. Yeah, it's just more like this moves very slow and shambling sometimes when you get to see it for long periods of time, which is not intentional. It's more of a product of restrictions, which I'm not going to like have a problem with, especially because it still looks good. But I I just thought I should bring it up. You want to do recommendations, (sighs) though? Sure. All right, Bob, what's your what's your recommendation? Do you like sci-fi? It's a cool sci-fi movie. Like, that's my big thing is, yes, this is a horror movie. But it feels way more like a sci-fi movie to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's sci-fi horror, but it's sci-fi. Sci-fi first. First, I guess. With horror elements intertwined that are really cool. They're intrinsic to the story. They're intrinsic to the story because it's also a very, very suspenseful, slow film that does a very good job at breaking your tension right when you need it broken so they can just build it up again and destroy you in about 15 minutes. It's awesome. So, yeah, if you like sci-fi films, this movie's fucking cool. If you're a fan of sci-fi horror, this is a great blend of the two things. For the reason I just mentioned. It's so intense. And you I I'm be honest, I didn't think the alien was gonna be that scary because I went, Oh, I know what the xenomorph looks like. Holy fuck, there's some good scary bits. Yeah, they're they're scary. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. Like I did not expect to be like scared as bad as I got scared. Yeah. Very, very good for that. Um, if you like Sigourney Weaver, she does a really good job in this movie. Like, really good. She's great. If you like John Hurt, he's good too. I like him. Basically they're all good. Well, yeah, they're all good, but those are the two, like, big actors that I Well, like. the guy who plays Ash is also really good, and I always forget his name. Uh, I don't know his name either. Ian Holm. Yeah, great. All uh, fantastic. Yeah. If you're into the, what do you call it, cassette, cassette futurism, like, aesthetic that we've been talking about this whole film, this movie does it so good. If you like 80s sci-fi movies, Oh, it's so cool. So good. Love it. And also, if you are just, like, interested in Alien... Like, if you've never seen it and you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's totally worth it. You should have watched it by now anyways. should have watched it by now if you're hearing this, but, like, I'm just saying. Like, holy shit, go watch this movie. That's it. Okay. You know, first two recommendations here off the bat. If you're a fan of horror or sci-fi, you should probably go watch this film. Because I think what's hard for people to understand is this film was so influential that it influenced both of those genres pretty intensely. Like, I mean, yeah, this is a great sci-fi horror film in general, but I think what's important to note is it influenced horror and, like, having these alien creatures in a way that's hard to, like, comprehend. And it did a similar thing for, like, sci-fi. It showed, like, hey, what you can do with a gritty, realistic science fiction story. And so if you like both those genres, it's probably an important film to watch if you haven't already seen it. Aside from that, if you like creature features, this Mm. is one of the best ones. Yeah. Straight off the bat. Uh, if you also like kind of like 
small cast character films mm-hmm. that deals with like rising tension and stuff like that. Really good. But I think the big like selling point for this film is if you like slow burn atmospheric horror films, mm-hmm. that's just what this is. Yeah. In fact, I know a lot of people don't necessarily like this film for that specific reason. And I get it. I There's a lot, a lot, a lot of people who actually like one of the sequel films better than this one. Yeah. Because a slow kind of atmospheric film just doesn't jive with them. No, I love it. They find it boring. I think that's completely fine. I don't agree with it. This is probably my favorite film in the franchise. But if you like like a slow burn kind of atmospheric film, this one's great. Uh, in fact, the way I've kind of de- heard it, uh, the way I like to describe it, is it's almost like a slow burn slasher film. Because there's like one thing stalking all the people around this closed environment, which I think is just like an interesting way to think about it. Yeah. On that note, though, Bob, you want to give it your recommendation? Not recommendation, your rating. Bye. Okay. Um. Just do it, Bob. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. Don't pretend. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a one. No, don't you dare, you son of a bitch. No, okay, look. We've been, like, really talking about how great this movie is the whole time. And if I were to not give it a five, I think I would be doing it a disservice. Because I'm going to be totally honest. This might be objectively the best film we've seen on the podcast yeah probably <laughs> like i i don't even like i'm not even it's not my favorite movie of all time no i think you like halloween and the exorcist better uh maybe yeah probably yeah. but it, it just it's so 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 well done and there's so much attention to detail in small little things that you do not need to make a good movie but you need to make a great movie like, there's so much little stuff that gets mentioned or, like, comes back around later and is intrinsic and important when you don't expect it to be. This movie deserves a five. It's so well done. All the acting is great. There are surprising moments. There's so much cool shit. Uh, even when you just look at the stuff they had to do with models and scaling and the sound design. I mean, this movie is phenomenal. Like, I, I, have, no, I have no more words. Okay. I'm also going to give it a five. Yeah. And it's hard for me to give it anything else, both because I really like this movie, but also I just think it's really, really well done. Like, there's nothing in the film that stands out to me as, like, an issue, and the only things that I don't necessarily like are more things that I have a problem with from, like, an outside perspective of, like, I have seen all the films Mm -hmm. and, like, just know how things are supposed to be. Like I said, I how fast the xenomorph moves. But even that's been explained away in, like, kind of theories and everything. So, you know, generally, overall, I think it's great. Don't have any issues with it. So, five. <laughs> yeah. I Man. Okay. Well, I guess we're going to go to the outtakes, uh, and then we'll come back for closing stuff. Yeah. We'll uh, see you guys in a minute. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the outtake section for this episode of Beware the Board. I hope you're enjoying our review of Alien so far. I like this film. I think it's damn near perfect. I think it's super, super fun. A great sci-fi adventure. But without further ado, let's get in to the outtakes. This first clip is our reaction to Kane's encounter with the Ovomorph on the Alien spacecraft. I don't like it. I don't think you're supposed to like it. (gasps) 
I didn't know I was going to do that. Don't know. No, please stop with the egg. I don't like eggs. Ugh. That, oh, God, this is putrid, Benjamin. You okay, Bob? <laughs> you guys. It's like a face hugger from fucking goddamn Half Life. Yeah. What do you think those are based on? <laughs> you guys couldn't see it. Bob's <laughs> mouth was just hanging open that whole time. I didn't like that. Wait, they're just gonna. Oh, he, no, he survived. They brought him back. This next clip is our reaction to the crew trying to find the facehugger after it detaches itself from Kane. Why would you open the door? Well, where is Why it? would you open that? <laughs> why would you... Why would you... They're clearly not following any protocol, so... Fuck it. Oh, that stresses me out. Why would you open that? They want to check on Kane. I they, don't care! And maybe figure out where it went. Fuck that bitch! Now, what they should do is close the door behind them. That is an issue. At the minimum. This next clip is something that hasn't happened in a very long time. I actually got scared. Oh! Whoa! I don't like that thing. What? Do these things have... Do these things have a name? Hi everybody, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the outtakes. Do we have any announcements, Ben? Um, not really. Uh, we're finishing up with like the actual board board episodes next week. Yeah, and then we'll do our wrap up the following week. And then we start the new season. Yeah. Let's go! I haven't picked a category for next season, by the way. Just so you know. You haven't picked it yet? No, I need to do some research. Um, I, I just want you to know this, and the audience can hear this because I don't care. You have to have that picked by next recording session. Yeah. Because the way we do this, we do the wrap-up in the, the last episode. Yeah, same day. Same day. Because it's usually, the wrap-up's usually fairly short. Yeah. Compared to the normal length of an episode. Because we, we don't have to sit through an hour and a half movie. <laughs> no. Or like a two-hour movie or whatever. So it's like, eh. Okay. So, no other announcements there. So, you know, the usual stick, go check us out wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to. Uh, we're also on YouTube, which is a weird place, but it's kind of nice because you can do some interaction stuff with us, like show us some likes, subscribe, smack that bell button, <laughs> just like you'd smash an evil robot. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you, I didn't know where you were going to go with that. <laughs> I don't know where you thought I was going to go with that. Well, there's... <laughs> But I, um, I didn't know if you were going to talk about the cat. Well, the alien, like, rah, the cat <laughs> at one point when it's in the crate. Um, I was kind of scared. But, yeah, kind of nice to show us some love there because we can see that, and that's kind of cool. YouTube's also nice because it's one of the uh, few places you can communicate with us at. You can do that in the comment section of a specific video. Yeah. It's like there's something specific you want to talk about with us. Or you can go over to Twitter or X at Beware the Board, and go uh, tell Bob how he shouldn't break quarantine procedures. <laughs> Damn, bro. Okay. Like Ben said, check us out on Twitter, at Beware the Board. It's not X. It's Twitter. I don't care. Actually, a, a small aside. I saw a poll recently that was like, 75% of people on Twitter, are on, on X, still call it Twitter. Yeah, no one likes it. No, one, no one's going to call it X, Elon. Stop it. Get some help. Anyway, 
Check us out there. It's where I post information about the show, updates about the show. Basically, if there's anything you want to know about the show, it goes on our Twitter. On Mondays, I post a spoiler post for that Friday's episode, which is basically a hidden movie cover that you can reveal so you can watch the movie before we do. So if you listen to the episode, you don't get any spoilers. We're being really vague about stuff. You kind of know what we're talking about. Then on Fridays, whatever day the episode goes live, I always post a link to the episode. So if you ever miss an upload or want to know when something went up, there's always a link there and maybe a meme if something was funny. Last thing, check us out on TikTok and YouTube Shorts at Beware the Board. Now that we're done with all of our side content, I'm going to start making short form content again. No, you're not. Don't lie to the audience. I am. I'm gonna start. I would literally. You're gonna leave, and I'm gonna make. I'm gonna start working on some. Sure, you are. Okay. I'm also gonna work on the thing that we started working on earlier today. Okay. So I can get that out of the way too. But basically, if you like short form content and you like the show, check us out there. I try to cut clips from old episodes into little bite-sized pieces for you all to enjoy. Yeah, that's it. All right. Well, I'll see you guys next time. Yeah, we'll uh, see you guys next time.